Welcome to Zichud Daf Siman Memorable Avram Goldar and today Mitzvahs Yavamis Daf Peiches, the tenth parakei Isharab. So the three Daf's we're going to focus on number one. After numerous attempts were made to bring a source that one witness is believed to permit a woman to remarry, the Gemara now explains that the source is at the Rabbanan. For Rabbi Zera said, "Mitoch Chomer Shechem Marta Aleb Sofa." He called to Aleb Betchila because of the severity with which he was severe at the end by imposing so many penalties on her in the event that she remarries and her first husband reappears. You were leaning with her at the beginning and allowed her to remarry based on the testimony of one witness. When the Gemara asks, Don't be machmir with her at the end. Don't be makel with her at the beginning. And instead, just require two witnesses as is biblically mandated. The answer is, Out of concern that the woman we left as an aguna, the Rabban were lenient with her and permitted her to marry based on the testimony of a single witness. Point number two, the Michelin Duff Pezine Amabe stated that if a woman remarried based on a single witness, she must leave both husbands if her original husband reappears. Shmuel said she must only leave the second husband where she did not dispute him, referring to the man who came claiming to be her original husband. But where she disputes him and claims that he's an imposter, she doesn't leave the second husband. The more clarifies that if two witnesses came to support the man's claim that he's the original husband, she's not believed against two witnesses. Therefore, the case must be where there was only one witness, and she's believed because she disputes him. So this implies that if she was silent, she would have to leave the second husband. The Gemara asks, why is this so? Since Ula taught, Wherever the Torah believes a single witness, it's as though there are two witnesses here. Therefore, the first witness who claimed her husband was dead should be treated as two witnesses, and the testimony of the single witness claiming the man is her husband should not be believed against two witnesses. The Gemara answers that we're dealing with Psule Edos, two puzzle witnesses who support their original husband's claim. And Shmuel holds like Rabbi Nehemia that wherever the Torah believes that one witness followed the majority of opinions. Therefore, in a case where two women testify against one man, they're treated like two men testifying against one man. The Gemara brings a second variation of Rabbi Nehemia's teaching. And pointing with you, the Mishnah had taught that if her husband returns after she remarried based on the testimony of one witness, she requires a get from both husbands. The Gemara asks that while it's understandable that she certainly requires a get from her first husband, since she was married to him, why does she require a get from the second husband? Znus Ba'amahu, her relationship to him, was one of Znus. Rav Huna answered, Gezer Shem Yomru It's a Gezerah to require a get from the second husband. Less people say that the first husband divorced her, and then the second husband married her afterwards. Venim says, Eishas Ish get. And it will result that people mistakenly think that a married woman is walking away from a marriage without a get. Well, she explains that people think that ending a marriage doesn't require a get. So once again, the three points are number one. After numerous attempts were made to bring a source that one witness is believed to permit a woman to remarry, the Gemara now explains that the source is a Durban. For Rabbi Zerah said, He called the Allah because of the severity with which she was severe at the end by imposing so many penalties on her. In the event that she remarries and her first husband reappears, you were leaning with her at the beginning and allowed her to remarry based on the testimony of one witness. When the Gemara asks, Don't be machmir with her at the end. Don't be makel with her at the beginning. And instead, just require two witnesses as is biblically mandated. The answer is, Out of concern that the woman we left as an aguna, the Rabban were lenient with her and permitted her to marry based on the testimony of a single witness. Point number two, the Michelin Duff Pezine Amabe stated that if a woman remarried based on a single witness, she must leave both husbands if her original husband reappears. Shmuel said she must only leave the second husband where she did not dispute him, referring to the man who came claiming to be her original husband. But where she disputes him and claims that he's an imposter, she doesn't leave the second husband. 
The Gemara clarifies that if two witnesses came to support the man's claim that he's the original husband, she's not believed against two witnesses. Therefore, the case must be where there was only one witness, and she's believed because she disputes him. So this implies that if she was silent, she would have to leave the second husband. The Gemara asks, why is this so? Since Ula taught, Wherever the Torah believes a single witness, it's as though there are two witnesses here. Therefore, the first witness who claimed her husband was dead should be treated as two witnesses, and the testimony of the single witness claiming the man is her husband should not be believed against two witnesses. The Gemara answers that we're dealing with Psule Edos, two puzzle witnesses who support their original husband's claim. And Shmuel holds like Rabbi Nehemia that wherever the Torah believes that one witness followed the majority of opinions. Therefore, in a case where two women testify against one man, they're treated like two men testifying against one man. The Gemara brings a second variation of Rabbi Nehemia's teaching. And pointing with you, the Mishnah had taught that if her husband returns after she remarried based on the testimony of one witness, she requires a get from both husbands. The Gemara asks that while it's understandable that she certainly requires a get from her first husband, since she was married to him, why did she require a get from the second husband? Znus Ba'amahu, her relationship to him, was one of Znus. Rav Huna answered, Gezer Shem Yomru It's a Gezerah to require a get from the second husband. Less people say that the first husband divorced her, and then the second husband married her afterwards. Venim says, Eishas Ish, Yotzeb will get. And it will result that people mistakenly think that a married woman is walking away from a marriage without a get. Well, she explains that people think that ending a marriage doesn't require a get. All right, so now we go to our Simr Peches, and our standard Simr is a Pach, which is a garbage can or a dustbin, depending on where you live in the world. So garbage can is our Simr. So here goes. This single witness who was employed by the Save the Agunos garbage company hid inside a garbage can when he heard that Basin accepted the conflicting testimony of two women and that they required a get from the second husband lest someone say that a married woman goes out without one. So once again, in slow motion. This single witness who was employed by the Save the Agunos garbage company hid inside a garbage can. Garbage can. That must be Peches. Pach. The single witness who was employed by the Save the Agunos garbage company, which reminds us that after numerous attempts were made to bring a source that one witness is believed to permit a woman to remarry, the Gemara now explains that the source is that the Rabban, Mishum Iguna Rabban, out of concern that the woman will be left as an Aguna, the Rabban were leaning with her and permitted her to marry based on the testimony of a single witness. So the single witness who was employed by the Save the Agunos garbage company hid inside a garbage can when he heard that Basin accepted the conflicting testimony of two women, which reminds us the Mishnah Pei Zion Amabay state that if a woman remarried based on a single witness, she must leave both husbands if her original husband reappears. Shmuel said she must only leave the second husband where she did not dispute him, referring to the man who came claiming to be her original husband. But where she disputes him and claims that he's an imposter, she does not leave the second husband. After analyzing Shmuel's position, the Gemara determines that Shmuel holds like Rabbi Nehemia, that where the Torah believes one witness followed the majority of opinions. So the single witness who was employed by the Save the Agunas garbage company hid inside a garbage can when he heard the basin accepted the conflicting testimony of two women and that they required a get from the second husband unless someone say that a married woman goes out without one. Which reminds us, the Mishnah had taught that if her husband returns after she married, Based on the testimony of one witness, she requires a get from both husbands. The Gemara explains that even though her relationship to the second husband was one of Znus, the Rabban were goes her to require getting a get from him. Last people say that the first husband divorced her, and then the second husband married her afterwards, and it will result that people mistakenly think that a married woman is walking away from a marriage without a get. So once again, the single witness who was employed by the Save the Agunos 
garbage company hid inside a garbage can when he heard the basin accepted the conflicting testimony of two women and that they required a get from the second husband unless someone say that a married woman goes out without one. All right, now it's time for a four blah blah chazara. Daf Peydal. The similar Daf Peydal is a launch pad. So here goes. The Kohen Yod astronaut getting married to the Almana on his launch pad. Launch pad? That must mean we're on Daf Peydalid. The Kohen Yod astronaut getting married to an Almana on his launch pad while his brother the Kohen Gadol stood by, which reminds us, the opening mission in the ninth pair presents four categories of women. The first category being those who are permitted to their husbands and prohibited to their Yavams. The first case is Kohen Yod Shinnasas Almana Vyeshulach Kohen Gadol. A Kohen Yod who married an Almana and he has a brother who is a Kohen Gadol. The more addresses why the mission said he was married to a widow when it could have said that he did Kedushan with her and she would still be forbidden to the Yavam, who is a Kohen Gadol. So the Kohen Hedyot astronaut getting married to an Alman on his launch pad while his brother, the Kohen Gadol, stood by was interrupted by a Basula who climbed up and asked why he didn't marry her, which reminds us. The Gemara continues to challenge the first example of the mission and asks why the first case is that of an Almana, least named Basula, let it state she was a Basula who had never been married since she will become an Almana when the Kohen Hedyot dies. So the Kohen Hedyot astronaut getting married to an Almana on his launch pad while his brother, the Kohen Gadol, stood by was interrupted by a Basula who climbed up and asked why he didn't marry her. And he told her that as a Kohen, she could marry the Chala working in the control tower. Which reminds us, Rabbi Yudah said in the name of Rav, Eligible women, referring to the daughters of Kohanim, are not prohibited to be married to Basulim such as Chalalim. Rav and Bar Yitzhak's challenge to Rav's ruling is rebuffed. Daf Pehei. So the similar Daf Pehei is associated to a mouth and we use a dentist. So here goes. The Kohen God who was way overseas lecturing in a dental convention. Dental convention? Dentist? That must be on Daf Pehei. Mouth. So the Kohen Gadol who was away overseas lecturing at a dental convention when he got a call that his Almana wife had taken out a loan to cover her Mazonos, which reminds us, Belazar asked Rabbi Yochan if an Almana married a Kohen Gadol or a Grusha or a Chalutza married a Kohen Hedyot, Yeshlehem Mazonos or Eimlehem Mazonos, do they have the right to sustenance or not when the husband went overseas and she borrowed money and used it to support herself? Rabbi Yochan answered that while she can claim the Ksuba itself, which is collected upon leaving the marriage, she cannot claim Mazonos, which might cause her to stay with him. So the Kohen Gadol, who was away overseas lecturing at a dental convention, when he got a call that his Almana wife had taken out a loan to cover her Mazonos, overheard a dentist tell his Shnia wife that she was not going to receive her Ksuba, like her Almana friend got from the Kohen Gadol. Which reminds us, it was taught in a bright an Almana to a Kohen Gadol, or a Grusha, or a to a Kohen Hedyot, she receives her Ksuba, Peros, Mazonos, and worn-out garments, referring to garments that she brought into the marriage, she may take with her when the marriage ends, where Shneos receive none of them. The Brisa brings three explanations for the distinction. Revi says the distinction is the case of the Alman to a Kongado is a Daraisa, Vidivre Torah ain't Chizuk, and Daraisa law does not require Chizuk, whereas a Daraban, like Shneos, does require Chizuk. So the Kongado was away overseas lecturing at a dental convention when he got a call that his Almana wife had taken out a loan to cover her Mazonos. Overheard a dentist tell a Shnia wife that she was not going to receive her Ksuba like her Almana friend got from the Kongado, since she was the one who persuaded him to get married. Which reminds us, the Brides have brought a third explanation why the Almana to a Kongado receives a Ksuba, whereas the Shnia does not. In the case of the Almana to a Kongado, Zehu Margila, it's the man who persuades the woman to marry him. A woman would not want to enter a marriage which disqualifies her, her husband, and her children, and where her husband would be angry with her, that she caused a psul for him and his children. In the case of the Shnia, Zohi Margilaso, it's she that persuades the man to marry her. Since the marriage will not disqualify her, her husband, or her children, she has nothing to lose, and therefore persuades him. Daf Pei Vav. So the Simr Daf Pei Vav is police. So here goes. 
The Meiserishan police, police, that must be learned off, pay vav. The Meiserishan police who prevented Meiserishan from being given to Zarim, which reminds us, the Remer source that Meiserishan is asked to Zarim is the passage that states, Kes Meiser b'nei Israel asher yerimul Hashem truma. For the Meiser of the Jewish people that they will designate to Hashem as truma, I have given to the Levim as an inheritance. By describing Meiser as truma, the passage is teaching, Ma truma asur lezarim, af Meiserishan asur lezarim. Just as truma is forbidden to Zarim, so too Meiserishan is forbidden to Zarim. The Rabbanan who hold that Meiserishan is mutter to Zarim explain the passage to Teach my truma tovelis of my sorishan nami tovel, just as truma affects the law of tevel, which Rashi explains to mean that if someone eats tevel where truma has not been separated, he's chayv misibidei shemaim. So too, if one eats tevel where my sorishan has not been separated, he is chayv misibidei shemaim. So the my sorishan police who prevented my sorishan from being given to zarim, as well as to kahani, to the delight of the levim, which reminds us the Gemara explains the Rebbe Kiva's source that my sorishan may only be given to levim is the pasuk that states that levim. To the Levim shall you speak, and you shall say to them when you take Meiser. The Pasuk is specifically addressing Levim. Rabbi Leza ben who holds that Meiser Rishon may also be given to Kohanim, would respond and explain the Pasuk in light of what Rabbi Yishuvah Levi said. In 24 places in Tanakh, Kohanim are called the Levim, and this Pasuk would be one of them. So, the Meiser Rishon police who prevented Meiser Rishon from being given to Zarim, as well as to Kahanim to the delight of the Levim, received a message from police headquarters that the Levim were penalized and to distribute the Meiser instead to the poor. Which reminds us, Rabbi Yonasan and the elders disagree on the nature of the penalty to the Levim, who did not ascend from Babel regarding Meiser Rishon. One who holds Kanselanim, the penalty required the Meiser be given to the poor, which the Mepharshim explained means that it may also be given to the poor. This would deprive the Levim of some of the Meiser. The other one holds that Kohanim be made to Masan Anim Ninu. When Kohanim are Tame, they are poor because they cannot eat Truma then, so as a decree, the Meiser be given to them. Dapei Zain. So the Sim Dapei Zain is a golden Pez candy dispenser. So here goes. The little bus cone eating from her golden Pez candy dispenser. Golden Pez candy dispenser? That must be learned off. Pay Zion. The little bus cone eating from her golden Pez candy dispenser, who turned away her divorced sister, who came to eat from the Chazab Ashok, which reminds us it was taught in the that when she, referring to a bus cone, returns to her father's house after being widowed or divorced from a non cone, she returns to her right to eat truma, but she does not return to her right to eat from the Chazab Ashok. The Gemara brings five different sources for this din. Rav Safra said, the Pasuk states, Malechem tochel. She may eat from her father's bread. Lechem basar, Bread, but not meat. So, the little Baskone eating from her golden Pez candy dispenser, who turned away her divorced sister, who came to eat from the Chaz of Ashok, and then gave one candy to her pregnant sister, and two to the one with a child, who were forbidden from Truma. Which reminds us, from the Pasuk addressing the right of a Baskone to return to eat Truma in her father's house, we learn two exclusions. From Vazera Enla, she has no offspring. We learn that if she has a child that is already born, she may not eat truma. And from Kenuhurewa, as in her youth, we learn that she may not eat truma if she's pregnant. The Gemara explains why both teachings are needed. So, the little bus cone eating from her golden Pez candy dispenser, who turned away her divorced sister who came to eat from the Chaz of Ashok, and then gave one candy to her pregnant sister, and two to the one with the child, who were forbidden from truma didn't know what to give her sister whose husband died overseas based on the testimony 
of 1-8. Which reminds us, the opening verse in the 10th parak states, Concerning a woman whose husband went overseas and they came and reported to her, your husband died and she went and married another man, and afterwards her first husband returned, rendering her second marriage void, she faces 16 consequences, beginning with the requirement to leave both husbands. The Gemara explains that even though the Mishnah stated they came and told her, which implies that two witnesses came, it can be inferred from the Sefer that the Rashi is dealing with a case where she got remarried based on Eid Echot, the testimony of one witness. Are right, that concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Avram Golden Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.